We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How many of you have heard of Vince Lombardi? Vince Lombardi. He was the, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, right? Any Green Bay Packer fans? Does that, there is a few, okay. We still love you. <laughs> They're good, though, man. And, you know, under the leadership of Vince Lombardi, they won five NFL championships. This is, uh, this is what he said. He said, football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, respect, and respect for authority. You know, and, and, and that right there is a list of things, all of them so important. But so one of the things I think that's lacking in today's society is a respect for authority. You know, that can be a child not really respecting the position of a parent. That could be someone there at work who doesn't really give a hoot of what their boss says or who they are. It can be an individual driving the streets and they have no consideration for the laws of the land or the officers that enforce those laws. It could be us in government places. It could be us even in the church. You know, the only way you're going to win five championships is if you have a team that understands the flow and the way that things go in authority. And so um, for Paul, that was a problem because the Corinthian church was coming against his authority. And so we're going to see today that he dealt with it, and it's pretty cool to see the way that it works for us as a church. But at the same time, we can't you know, overdo it, right? We can't abuse authority. There needs to be a balance. You know, I read a story about a man. His name is Christian Herder. And he was the governor of Massachusetts. And so he was running hard for a second term in office. And so one day, after a busy uh, day of chasing votes and campaigning, he didn't have time to eat, he arrived at a church bought barbecue. And it was late afternoon, and Herder was uh, extremely hungry. He was starving. He was famished. And as he moved down the line, you know, the potluck line, he held out his plate to the lady that was serving the food. She was serving the chicken. And she put a piece of chicken on the plate. And then she turned to the next person in line. And so this guy right here, the governor, uh, he said, uh, excuse me, ma'am, you know, I've been campaigning all day. I'm super hungry. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry, the woman said. I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to every person. At that point, the governor got a little huffy, got a little puffy, and he said, you know, um, I, I'm sorry, but um, do you, like, know who I am? I am the governor of this state. I've been campaigning all day, and I want another piece of chicken. And then you know, you know what she said? She said, do you know who I am? <laughs> I am the woman in charge of the chicken. <laughs> Move on, buddy. <laughs> and so there needs to be that, that balance, right? Thank God, you know, the governor does his job there, wherever he is, and praise God for that. But you know what? Thank God for those ladies in the chicken lines, man. And today when you go to the potluck, remember that, okay? 
But Paul here was dealing with stuff like that. Uh, look what we read beginning in verse 12. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You see, what had happened was there would be people went into the church and they said, hey, you know, we're really important here and Paul's not anymore. And the reason that we know we're important is we've kind of compared ourselves and out of all of us, five guys right here, I'm the, the, the best looking or I'm the best, you know, speaker or whatever. I got the most money and therefore, you know, I wanna, I'm going to be in charge now of the church. That was kind of what was going on there in Corinth. And so Paul there in verse 12, he says, you know, we dare not classify ourselves or compare ourselves as to those who, who do that in comparison to one another. You know, Paul knew better. He knew that as a Christian, and especially a Christian minister, if you just compare yourself to others, then you're not really commendable. As a matter of fact, look what he says there at the end of verse 12, that, that that's not a wise thing to do. You guys, and I want to encourage you guys to know that, you know, don't compare yourself to other people. There's a, a lot of reasons why you shouldn't, you know, because... Number one, they're just men. Number two, you don't know what their cultural upbringing was. You might be, well, I'm a better person than them. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you do have a better personality, or maybe you are holier than thou, or whatever the case may be. But you don't know what they've gone through all their life. You don't know the heartache, maybe the abuse. I mean, so many people have been molested growing up. And part of that, man, it tweaks you. It messes you up. You know, and we don't know what they're going through. We don't know anything about them. There is nothing good about comparing yourself to other people. You know, number one, God doesn't grade on a curve. You might be better than him or her or them or all of, you know, whatever the case may be. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to be the leader. See, God doesn't grade on a curve. And number two, it's not good to compare ourselves to others because what we really need to do is we need to compare ourselves to Jesus. You know, that's what we need to do at the end of the day. You know, what they were doing is they were comparing themselves to each other, and that led them to be bossy in the body of Christ. And then they started trying to control the congregation, and that even led to the condemnation of Paul. They said, you know what, we got to get rid of this guy. Paul says, no, number one, we dare not class ourselves. Number two, he says there in the next verse, we will not boast beyond measure. See, and there in verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. I wonder if there's anyone here today that you have a problem with authority. You know, you don't like it. You don't like it when people tell you what to do. I wonder if there's anyone here like that. I'll be honest with you. I don't like it when my wife tells me what to do, to be honest with you. So, you know, she's like, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, boom, 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 right back at you, you know. I, 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 as a man, and sometimes dealing with pride, you don't like it. You know, leaders, they need to be uh, commanding as a leader, right? I mean, you have to be, maybe not demanding, but commanding, because you've got to lead. 
You have to you know, give direction to your troops somehow. There has to be someone in a position of authority. And when you're there, you can't be ashamed of it. You can't run from it. You can't shrink from it. You're the, you're, are, you the, are you the dad? Are you the husband? Then you're the leader of your home. Whether you want to believe it or not, so lead. You know, don't let your wife lead. You lead because God's called you to lead. And when you lead, your family will be blessed. I mean, you guys know how it is when you have kids and you're a parent. Uh, I don't know, every once in a while they try to challenge that authority. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, once in a while, yeah, once in a while. Like every day, <laughs> all day long. <laughs> and so you know what you got to do? You got to tell them, I'm the parent. You're the kid. Sit down and be quiet. No, I'm just joking. You don't do it that bad, but, you know, you have to say, you know, to them, and sometimes it has to be communicated. You know what? I love you, and one day we're going to be friends, but not yet. Not yet. You know, one day, hopefully, you'll be able to look back, and you'll see that the decisions that I made was because I had a responsibility as a parent. And I've been around the block a few more times, and you might not believe it because you think you know more than me, but I love you. I love you. I'm the parent. There's problems when parents don't parent. You guys know that? There's problems when leaders don't lead. Our kids are bouncing off the walls, and they're running everywhere. And sometimes, you know, the kids are telling the parents what to do, and it's not supposed to be that way. So it's okay for us to say when God gives us a responsibility, when God gives us a certain element of authority, it's okay in one sense, not, not to boast in the sense that we would look at it, but just to acknowledge, to be able to speak, to be able to say, I am the one responsible for leading. Whether it's a family, a ministry, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of what we read here in verse 13. He says, but... You know, we're not going to boast beyond measure, but within the limits. We will boast within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. He said a sphere, in verse 13, that does, by the way, include you. And so in verse 12, he says, we dare not class ourselves. In verse 13, we will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits. And then we read in verse 14, he says, for we are not, we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. You know, and I know I don't want to stretch this too far, you guys, because uh, it's not talking about parenting uh, as, as much, but, but you might want to, you can kind of tell your kid, like if you're the mom and your kid's giving you a hard time, I gave birth to you. <laughs> do you moms ever do that? You know, I'm the one that brought you into the world, and it hurt. <laughs> it hurt a lot. That's kind of what Paul is saying here in this passage. He's saying, you know, you guys in the Corinthian church, you're giving my calling a condemnation. You're coming against me as a leader when in all reality, not that I'm boasting because it's really not me. It's the Lord working through me. I was the one, if you remember back in Acts chapter 18, that planted the church. And that's all he's saying right there in verse 14. We're not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. You know, Paul planted the church. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. 
And then in 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, according to the grace of God. So it wasn't that he was boasting. It wasn't like, hey, I'm all that. I'm, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread. No, he's just saying it was by the grace of God working in my life, he says, which was given to me as a wise master builder that I laid the foundation. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring them to this place where they would understand, where they would acknowledge that truly God had given him the authority there, the responsibility there to lead in that congregation. You know, it meant something, especially back then when Paul was a, was a pioneer in the truest sense of the world. I mean, I mean, the word, I mean, there wasn't churches back then, so he's going into uncharted territory and he's planting churches. He's there for 18 months. He's slaving, he's toiling, he's working, he's teaching, he's preaching, he's ministering, he's visiting people, he's doing everything that he can. Then he goes over here because he has a feast to keep in Jerusalem. And then that church that he just poured his heart into is saying, well, we don't want you no more. That was the situation that Paul was facing. And so Paul here is trying to reestablish his authority, okay? But we're going to see this, and, and, and here's the thing. It's not that he was on a power trip. It's that he was on a missions trip. And we're going to see that as we go through our text, that at the end of the day, what's really going on, when we're really doing it God's way, because God knows the heart, and he knows some guys that they do have a power trip, and they struggle with things like that. But the Lord looks at the heart, and when the heart really is that uh, parent, I love you, mijo, I want you to go to heaven. It's not that I don't want you to, you know, not have any fun. It's not that I'm trying to limit you or hurt you in any way. I'm your parent. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to be blessed while you live. That's why I am usurping my authority. And the same thing can happen in the church. You know, the the reason why that authority would be it would be made, you know, to, sometimes you've got to communicate it is because, again, not a power trip, it's a missions trip. This whole life is a missions trip. You coming to church today is a missions trip. You know, you might be tripping out on that, but that's the, that's the bottom line, right? I mean, you know, I don't know where you guys are at in your relationship with God. You know, some of you here, maybe you were invited. Um, you know, I don't know. You stumbled across it. You went to the lolly cup you, to get a green tea. Next thing you know, you're like, hey, what's over here? You hear the good music, you come in, and then this guy starts talking. And you're like, what's he talking about? And all we're talking about is that God loves you. That God loves you. There are no words that I can express in an adequate sense to tell you how much he loves you. But to let you know that your sins have separated you from him, and so Jesus came and died on a cross for us, and that here you are today, that if you give Jesus your heart, if you would just be willing to turn from your sin and trust in him, then you will be forgiven and free, and when you die, you go to heaven. I mean, does that sound like a good deal to you? You give Jesus your life, and he gives you his. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, what's your life all about? Just out of curiosity, what, what's your master passion? What drives you? What moves you? What dominates your thoughts? What do you think about? You know, I think that people who are right on for the Lord, they're just constantly thinking about the lost, constantly. You know, yesterday when we went to the streets of El Monte talking to the people about Jesus, um, you know, it was so cool. 
I want to encourage you to come next time, you know? I, I know life is busy, and I know you guys got a lot to do. Come. Come on that Saturday. You know, maybe you can, you know, juggle a few things around where you would make yourself available to come. And the next thing you know, you go over to Mountain View Park, and you're talking to these people on this, the table right there, and they're all, you know, drunk, or maybe a couple of them are. And then, you know, one's on, on, on drugs, and, you know, you just see the, the whole thing go down. But then you start telling them about Jesus. You start telling them about how much God loves them, and then the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life, and then they get saved. And then you move on to the house over here and you got that young man, he's 17 and she's 16 and she's 15 and they're all, you know, just getting ready and they're going to have like a little fiesta in the backyard and God takes you over there and you share the Lord with them and they get saved. You know what happens as a result of you going to their house? You know what happens as a result of you? Maybe you're not as comfortable, it's a little hot outside, but you get out of your house you get into your car, you turn the key, you drive over to the church, you get here, you pray, then you go over to the park and you tell people about Jesus. You know what the result of that is? They're going to heaven. That's what life is about. I mean, I think a lot of times, and again, not to condemn anybody, but I think a lot of times we think, well, it's about me, it's about my life, it's about having a good time. Now, And I know, and again, not everybody can come here on Saturday, so don't get me wrong, but some of you, some of us, we can. Not only that, I mean, when was the last time you invited someone to church? Or when was the last time you just told someone about Jesus? Because I think that the thing that I'm trying to say is that this is what life is all about. It's all about people that are dying and going to hell. And God would use me. And I'll be honest with you, and you guys know this, man that we're nothing, we're dirt, we're dust. We don't know how to say it. We don't have the eloquent words, but we do have the gospel, and we do care for people, and we do know the answer. It's just one word. It's one name. It's Jesus. You tell people about Jesus, and they get saved. And Paul is saying, this is the only reason I'm on this you know, mission to reestablish my authority is because I want to preach the gospel. I want God to work in your church so that then you maybe you can you know be with me, pray with me, help me to go over then to Rome and then to Spain. That that's really all we see. Look at it says in verse fifteen. He says not not boasting of things beyond measure, that is in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, what that means is as you grow, your faith is increased. We shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to do what? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. You see, Paul says we're, we're not going into another man's labor. We're not taking over you know, that church necessarily like these guys are trying to do there in Corinth. No, what we're trying to do is to lay the work of man the ministry of the gospel of jesus christ and, and this is our hope he uses that word hope there in verse 15 having hope that as your faith is increased down to verse 16 that we can go and preach the gospel in regions beyond you you see and and i don't know if you make the connection you're like manny what are you talking about i'm just sitting here sitting in my seat 
thinking about In-N-Out right now, okay? I'm just sitting here thinking, it's in my seat, you know, and just, you know, whatever, man. Why are you connecting me to this? I'm telling you guys, you're connected to this. You're a part of this. You know, you are. You come in, whatever, you give $5. You come in, whatever, you give a five-minute prayer. You come in, I tell you what, you give a hug. You give a welcome. You, you know, the other day there was a, a lady out in the front. Uh, some of you know her, Karen. She's so friendly. She's really friendly, man. And uh, she's got a lot of love, and she's got a huge smile. It's about this big. And, uh, and so there's a, a two new people that came to the church for the first time. And so they said, hey, where do we go? We've never been here before. And so Karen, she was so excited. She said, oh, honey, you know, let me tell you. You're going to, you know, whatever. And she started saying all this stuff. And she was like so loving on them. It was a young couple, so friendly. She uh, came in, she introduced them to a few people. They sat down. And that day, that young man accepted the Lord. And so I talked to him the other day, and there he is, him and his wife, and he's getting baptized. And what I'm trying to say is that that Karen, in one sense, she was a part of that. You're a part of this. And even though we're sinners, even though we mess up, even though today, maybe some of you here on the way in, you had a rough morning, you know, and uh, you were arguing with your spouse, or you were, you know, beating on your children, you know what I'm saying, in the, in the right spot, I mean... You know, and we go through those things and we don't feel worthy and we never will feel worthy because we will never be worthy. But whether you want to believe it or not, I'm telling you this, that God is willing to use you as a vessel and you come in and you keep coming to church service and then you grow and as your faith is increased, then God uses you almost like a trampoline to go and then to spread the gospel farther and farther and farther. I'm telling you, this truth and treat thing that we have for October 31st, it's not for the elite to serve, it's for all of us to serve. And if all of us serve, imagine what God will do. That's all he's saying right here. He's just saying, listen, you guys, it's only so that I can go and spread the gospel farther. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, here's the thing, okay, I'm going to share this with you. I really believe that you can tell whether or not a person is saved by whether or not they have a heart for the lost. Whether or not they care if people are saved around them. You know, and I think that for those of you who are saved, you know what I'm talking about, huh? I mean, you can go anywhere. You can go to Albertsons. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Target. You can go to Jack in the Box. I don't know why you would go there, but you know, you would go to different places, right? And you just think, Lord, does this person know you? And it's just their heart. Some people say that Paul's heart was haunted by the regions beyond that had never heard the name of Jesus. Did you guys know that there's 3 billion people on planet Earth that have never heard the name of Jesus? we got to reach them. I know a lot of people say, well, what happens to those people who have never heard? They've never heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the gospel. Well, Romans 2 tells us that they will be judged by the light they receive from creation and conscience and how they respond to that, right? And so some will say, well, why don't you just leave them alone? Let them respond to creation and conscience. The reason is this, because it's a lot easier to accept the gospel, the free gift of Jesus Christ, than it is to respond in an appropriate way to creation and conscience. And that's why we have to get out there and we have to share Jesus with people. 
Paul says, that's why, that's the only reason why I want to reestablish my authority. That's the only reason why, you know, uh, as a parent, I need to parent with responsibility is because I care about your soul. I care about their souls. And that's what, what Paul is saying, man. There's so many people in this world that we live in that have never heard the gospel. They say there's 6,600 people groups. And so that's indigenous communities. I mean, just groups of people that have never heard that Christian witness. And so what had happened, unfortunately, is the enemy had gone into that congregation. He tried to divide it, tried to kick Paul out. They were taking the credit and they were taking the glory. They wanted to build their own kingdoms. For them, it really wasn't about building up the body and the kingdom of Christ. And so what ends up happening when that's the mentality, a lot of times it's an in-reach, not an outreach. And Paul said, listen, you guys, you know what? We can't forget what this is all about. We're in it to win it. We want to win souls to Christ. And so he says, as you guys are boasting about those things, here's what we see. Look at what he says in verse 17. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I mean, it's hard to imagine that someone would actually go into that church in Corinth and say, it's because we're so good that you're so blessed. But that's what they were saying. It's hard to imagine, even to be honest with you guys, that any minister would ever in any way get any pride for anything good that's ever done by God. That should never happen. You know, I, Billy Graham, look at how God has used him. He's probably the, one of the most humblest men you have ever met because he knows. I mean, what do you have that wasn't given to you? I mean, you got intellect, you got money, you got strength, you can bench 550, whatever the case may be. What do we have that hasn't been given to us by God? What do we have to boast about? Nothing. If God uses you, that should humble you. We should never boast about our own accomplishments. And Paul here says, listen, if you're ever going to boast about anything, he says, he who glories let him glory in the Lord. That's a reference from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, where the Bible says that it's a really cool verse. Uh, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment or justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. I mean, if there's ever anything to boast about, boast about the fact that you know the Lord. That you know, think about this, man. I mean, we can boast about that. So let's say someone comes up to you one day and they say, man, you are, you're such a beautiful person. I love your smile. I love the way that you, you, man, it just seems like you have peace in your life, joy, and you got a good head on your shoulders. And, you know, they start, you know, whatever, just seeing all that good in you. You know what you tell them? You just tell them, it's because I know the Lord. That's the only reason. It's because I know the Lord. Do you know him? That's all you got to say. Paul later in Galatians 6, he says, if you're going to glory in anything, the only thing that you can glory in is, is in the cross. 
I look out at the congregation and I see so many beautiful people. And I see amazing works that God has done. But I realize that you are a work of God. You're not your own work. You didn't do this to yourself. You didn't make yourself so beautiful. God did. And so what do we do? We glory in the Lord. Never, ever in a man. Never. You know, we're here today because he made us. And I always tell people there's three reasons to worship. There's three reasons to worship. I mean, do you worship God? I mean, do you really worship him? Number one, because of creation. I mean, think about it. He made everything. He made everything. He made you creation. Number two, redemption. I mean, that same God who made everything, who knows every star by name and he maintains them, that same God who spoke it all into existence, by the power of his word, he died for you. And then number three, after creation and after redemption, the third reason to worship is attention. And by that I mean that he is always watching over you. Now, does that blow you away or not? I mean, that just like trips me out that he knows all my thoughts and he sees every tear. He knows all my struggles. He knows everything I'm going to go through in the future, everything I've gone through in the past. He knows my sitting and my rising. He knows everything. He's always watching over me. I mean, when I think of those three things, I tell you what, the, the psalm says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Job even said, why do you visit men? I mean, when I, when I think of those three things, I worship. You guys, I pray that you, you would worship because we need a glory, not in ourselves, not in man, not in anything other than, than God. I pray that you would lift him up and bring him glory. And so we read at the close there in verse 18, for not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Does that make sense to you guys? I mean, if you praise yourself to prove yourself, to approve yourself as qualified and commendable, then it really doesn't make any sense. It's the Lord who calls us and commends us. It's the Lord who anoints and appoints and cleanses and creates Christians. And right here, Paul is just saying, man, it's sad that these guys that were going to Corinth were saying that they were all that. You know, at the end of the day, it's not these guys comparing themselves to themselves. It's whoever the Lord puts there. You know, you might be fancy. You might be eloquent. You might be tall, dark, and handsome. You might have a lot of money. You might be wise. You might be the greatest speaker the world has ever seen. That doesn't mean that that's your calling. See, God chooses whom he uses. And these guys went in there and they tried to take over. And Paul said, no. By the grace of God, I'm allowed to serve you in this way. And so my prayer is that you wouldn't, you know, go that direction, man. You wouldn't be led away by some Absalom, but that you would stay on track. Because all I want as a leader is for the Lord to be lifted up and for us to go out and preach the gospel in the highways and the byways. Amen.
We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.